Welcome to the Real IQ Property Management Podcast. In part two of the podcast, with New Zealand property management expert David Faulkner, Frank Webster talks about the future of property management and what regulation will look like. We talk about the future of rental accommodation and the importance of being qualified and looking after your frontline property managers. Uh, Frank, it's great to have you in New Zealand. Welcome to New Zealand. Thank you very much, David. It's wonderful to be here. Can we touch on Wales? Because my understanding is in Wales, the landlords, they have to be registered. There's got to be, you know, you've got to apply to be a landlord or pay a fee to be well, a landlord. Well, that's been happening a lot all over the place. And indeed now several um, local authorities within the UK have already been introducing separate licensing schemes. Um, so it's got a bit of a mess. It's got very fragmented. Newham, which is a large suburb of London, has had a landlord license scheme for ages. And the idea is that the landlord sort of attends a course um, they get a stamp and they presto their license and can let. It, it's all about really educating landlords. Wales has gone a stage further and you need to um, jump through more hoops and landlords do need to take a sort of at least a day's sort of, I think it's a week's course. Um, most of those landlords of course have not wanted to do that so they've then gone uh, to the local agent and said that, you know I want you to look after my property. So the benefits for a lot of the managing agents in Wales is that um, they've ended up getting more stock and more property. Because the uh, landlord finds that they're just going to be sat down doing do that. So, you know, that's a positive side of regulation to me. I, I would never let my own property now. If I have, a, if I go, well, say I come over to New Zealand for a couple of years and I get the lads and lasses to look after my property in the UK, I'm not going to try and do it myself, even though I'm a practitioner. Each month there's some new piece of legislation. Every year there's a big change. I think we're dealing with over 200 pieces of legislation as a property manager in the UK on a daily basis. We can barely cope and keep up. You know, how on earth does a landlord who doesn't, you know, have part and access to that information keep up? So, I mean, I'm sure the people who are listening in New Zealand, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this all over the world, but uh, particularly New Zealand, will be listening to this, going, "My God, there's a lot of similarities between what's happening in the UK and, and, and so what's happening in New Zealand." Frank, do um, do property managers have to be qualified in the UK? No, and that's another thing, again, the devil in the detail of where it goes with regulation. We decided a while ago, uh, or I decided in the moment of madness, because it meant I had to go and take myself off and sit the exams, but I decided that when I go and see a lawyer and I go and see an accountant, I wouldn't, I'd feel pretty uncomfortable if I sat in front of those two guys or ladies and they weren't qualified. In fact, it'd be madness, wouldn't it? There I am seeking their professional advice, yet they're not qualified. Hang on, what's the difference with property management? I've just talked about 250 uh, pieces of legislation. We all know those of us that are in the world of estate agency and indeed property management that you know, there's a number of skill sets that you need, not just in terms of the theory, but also managing people, managing contractors, the whole raft of the sort of safety legislation. So it's absolutely right and proper that if a landlord or tenant sits in front of a managing agent, letting agent, they should be qualified. So we decided we would put all our staff it's cost us probably 50,000 sterling, if not more. We've had somebody mentoring them through. There's an MVQ um, that somebody rightly uh, devised through the Manchester Open Learning. And we've put 95% of our staff now through the MVQ. It's equivalent to a sort of A-level in the UK. Um, and then some of our managers, in fact, it's a prerequisite for any of our operating managers, our office managers, to take the next level, the MVQ4, which is at a degree level. Yep. And... You know, I'm pleased to say that anybody coming into any of the finest keepers branches, they will see somebody who is qualified. So, I mean, I mean, there's a great benefit there to the consumer that you know that they're getting the, the level of service, but it's a big investment for the company. How do you, it, it, how do you, know do you claw it back? None of us really wanted to do it. And, you know, I, I could see people looking at me saying, Frank, this was your idea. And, you know, I'm now going to have to work in the evenings and study and so on and so on. But do you know what? 
after after they've had the course with the um, trainer and after they've taken the exam, there is such a noticeable uplift in their attitude, their um, their confidence, their esteem. Yeah. Um, you know, in the world of property management, you're sandwiched between tenant and landlord, and sometimes that can be quite an unpleasant. You know, particularly for our younger staff until they develop life skill, having somebody sort of getting overheated, it's a very motive, you know, property seems to bring the worst out of all of us, whether we're buying or renting. Yeah. But to have that theory knowledge, theory, theoretical knowledge, it underpins the practitioner side of your job. And the two and two make four. And I've seen so many people grow in their careers and stand up for themselves and feel much more confident at saying, no, we don't do it like this. Or yes, that's a good idea. And just the whole thing is positive. It's so, I mean, so that you can see the staff growing, but in terms of the business, does the, does the business grow? Do you see the, the clients stay longer? Can you measure it? Yeah, and, and you mentioned that's a very good point. One of the things that, you know, you've got to understand in property management is that a one-year let or a six-month let isn't really going to cut the mustard when it comes to sustained income. And most landlords buy, certainly in the UK, for the longer term. Of course, yes. there are some accidental landlords, and there's always reasons why people need to do a short let. This is why I don't really buy into this Airbnb, and, the, and we're going through a phase at the moment of people sort of just cashing in on what they see as a quick buck. Nothing's quick these days. It's about the long term. And mm. the whole business of having qualified mm. staff, of course, it encourages a, a landlord to listen to what that property manager is saying. And if the property manager says, look, your property is looking tired, and dated and we now need to move in and update it much like an old car which we use as an analogy for landlords if you don't put oil in you don't put fuel in you don't keep it serviced and of course it'll get to a point where it you know may not even be able to carry on letting but they'll listen because that property manager in front of them is qualified uh, do you think that you know you've, you've seen a bit of new zealand now you know you've only seen really the one company but just in general do you think that property managers if they're not qualified or if they haven't got that expertise, they may have a case where the landlord is almost dictating to them how they operate and, and they lose confidence. They're not giving the advice that they should be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky, I think, with the company I'm currently with, but they've got many of the standards that um, I know, you know, I'm sure many other companies in, in New Zealand have. I, you know, I've obviously read various pr press articles recently where, unfortunately, property managers are sort of under the focus of the press and under the cosh. Um, you know, and of course, there's always going to be the cowboy or the bad outfit uh, anywhere in life. But um, yeah, those that are prepared to um, you know work for the long term and give a service to landlords that isn't about just profit motivated. Of course, we all need to make a profit. Um, otherwise, you're not. In, you know, why would you be in business? But you can make a profit by simply offering you know the, the best service that is possible, helping those landlords to develop their portfolio. Um, to keep the edge of the property so that the yield and the income is is there, and you know, let's face it, it the, all of our markets move on a on a weekly or monthly basis. So, you know, you've got to work hard with property to make it produce a good income, um, and it's only going to that's only going to happen if you know what you're talking about, really. So, those landlords, those agents that are willing to do that and offer that service and engage with their with their landlords, um, are the the ones that are going to you know be here in five years time you know, and more though those that aren't and are just making money out of tenants and not really interested in serious they're, they're gonna go yeah yeah I mean, it almost brings on to the question around fees and justifying your fee i mean you're saying though that you've got an unregulated markets in the, in the uk you, you touched on the amount of people or the amount of agencies there are in oxford alone 
and, and you have quite a high management fee. I mean, the average management fee would be, you're telling me, it's about 12%. Yeah, you, you, you've got rates going from 10 up to 17.5%. Well, I used to work in a state agency, and I have many colleagues in a pure estate agency in the UK, and those guys, over a period of time, have really you know, committed Harry Carey. They have reduced and reduced their fee in, 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 a, in order to be competitive, as opposed to you know, improving their service um, and, and, and maintaining their fee level. Um, for example, you could get a house sold in the UK for easily one percent of the sale price. One percent, uh, yeah, easily. And you know, we've now got portals, online portals, competing and reducing that even more. Um, that's happening in property management world, and it's suicide, really, because you know you will not be able to uh, maintain a business and reward your staff and pay them a fair salary. Uh, or help improve your software and the other parts of the business that you need if you just you know reduce your fee to uh, an amount that's just unviable. So um, I think that's something that we've seen um, in New Zealand. Uh, basically, property management was left out of regulation 2008. We had a big change with the Real Estate Agents Authority coming in. Property management was left out. It used to be just Real Estate Institute members could charge a letting fee. Then mm -hmm. anyone can charge a letting fee. And what we've seen now is a proliferation of property management companies starting up all around the country. Uh, and the vast majority of them um, will have less than 200 managements. Uh, and what they compete on is price, but they really are. They're, they're long term, they're, they're just damaging themselves. They're not going to make the profits. It's, the, the, the standards drop around the, the entire industry. It's not retail. Um, and indeed, a large company in the UK has been trying to base a business model on retail. It's not about undercutting uh, on products. Um, your, your product is a fundamental professional service that you're offering. And that is at a, a, a certain level. And I, I think one thing that perhaps might change in the UK is the the moment the model is uh, uh, taking a certain percentage of the monthly rent and I just wonder whether that is what might change and in a few years time down the line might actually move forward and perhaps more business models that are charging a fixed monthly fee might become more the norm. I think like all business models banking's had to change, the travel industry's had to change, um, you know the professional world of property management as it gets regulated, as it moves forward, as it loses the tenant fee income, you might see some interesting new models where you're charging a monthly fee. Um, yes, you haven't got the benefit of, obviously our fee at the moment, the benefit is if the rent increases and it's a percentage of the rent, then our fee increases. Mm. But there will be some mechanism where, you know, on an annual basis, there will be an uplift. I mean, my bank do it to me or, uh, you know, TV subs you know, subscriptions. They say, yeah. look, well, your, your, your internet provision invariably with inflation that it goes up. fee goes up and I think that might be a, a more palatable and interesting model that most landlords would actually prefer to see because I think people don't really relate ideally to percentages so much as they might yeah. do a known fixed fee albeit it will increase. Um, talking about fees I do think you know fees in the UK landlords are going to probably see those increase to a certain extent and rents will probably increase to a certain extent partly because of the fee ban filtering its way in but I think that'll be a light touch you know there's a restriction on how much you can increase rents and there's a restriction or rather a limit yeah. how, how much you can push landlords fees up so because my understanding I mean Scotland uh, you know got rid of the letting years, ago, yeah. years ago and, and I understand that we saw rents increasing in Scotland where in the UK or in England and Wales they were 
they were flat. Yeah, I mean, Wales is just about to, um, not unsurprisingly, um, enter into a fee ban on tenants. Um, but Scotland was slightly different with its law, but it was a lower lower amount taken for tenant referencing than is taken currently in the UK. But nonetheless, you know, arguments uh, on both sides. But uh, I think, you know, rents definitely went way above inflation as mm. a result of it. So a little bit of a bumpy ride ahead. You have to be careful what you wish for as you're a government and you're trying to crack this difficult nut of the housing crisis, um, which I see very many similarities, albeit the population is a lot less here in New Zealand, but clearly the, um, the other fundamental issues about building enough homes um, and how the rental market fits into the uh, you know the owner 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 occupancy market and building the right type of homes as well because I think that's something that we haven't really we haven't talked quite... about that yeah um, but that is very interesting I mean obviously a lot of the UK stock is pretty poorly built and it was hurriedly built around the turn of the century uh, the Victorians you know suddenly discovered that they could build in solid brick and quickly and um, Welsh mine slate roofs and so on and so forth those houses pretty poor in terms of uh, thermal insulation. Um, and even our 1920s and 30s and houses were built pre and after the war hurriedly built. And indeed, we're, we're, although we're building houses these days that are sort of more thermally, uh, you know, insulated and um, better constructed, I have to say aesthetically, I think we could do better. Um, but I've seen over here a big difference in the sense that obviously your climate, or rather you've become more used, uh, you know, to, um, to letting and, and owning properties with... Um, you know, le- less less demanding standards, but I see that changing quite substantially here, and that's consumer-driven in part. Uh, our youngsters, you know, they're not going to put up with the same sort of no. um, things that mum and dad used to put up with, and, you know, maybe you will have central heating or heating and better insulation, you know, five years down the line, I'll come back and see us. Yeah, I mean, that in itself, Frank, imposes its challenges because you've got a lot of property owned by baby boomers who've been brought up in these houses and they just thought, oh, well, well, heat up New Zealand is put on an extra sweater. Now we've got a younger generation who, who are demanding, you know, double glazing, insulation, uh, sufficient energy, efficient heating. Absolutely. It's the way of the world. And, you know, um, that's another issue for landlords and their agents to get their mind round. And, you know, the finance keepers, we've always been you know, ahead of the game. We've got it still ongoing in the UK. Obviously, we've had the energy performance rating, which you don't have here. All the houses have to have an energy performance certificate, whether it be commercial, residential. Um, everybody's, everything's now, um, you know, we've adjusted to it. It's actually sensible if you think about it, because why should people be living in a house that, you know, they're paying good rent for uh, and, and energy is bleeding outside the walls yeah. um, and the meter's going around, you know, like mad and they're paying a fortune to live in those properties. So, you know, you know, the fuel that the, the, what keeps you know you, you're very lucky in, in New Zealand with different types of uh, fuel natural through natural resources but you know it's a, a commodity that is getting more expensive and people aren't prepared to pay high rents and lots of high utility bills so at the end of the day when you when you stop and stand back and you look at all these things you know it's not because of some bureaucrat sometimes there are pieces of legislation or things going that you know, in existence that could have been better thought out, but most of these things are for the better for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I touch on, I mean, in the UK when I was there in September, I mean, EasyJet uh, are a big budget airline company, and then I see Easy Property. What's your thoughts on, are we, we going to see an influx of digitally based, cheap property management where it's almost like a hybrid, the landlord will do part of it and they use 
online facilities for just collecting rent, developing tenancy agreements. Yeah, EasyJet, uh, I may stand correct here, is not doing very well. EasyProperty.com, I think it's cool. Inevitably, in the world we're in, you're going to see you know, a number of these um, online propositions growing. So we have um, Purple Bricks in the UK, which is giving the estate agents, the traditional form of estate agency, a real run for its money. It's got about 6% of the UK sales market, right? which doesn't sound a large amount, but actually in the time that it's been going, it's a, it's a pretty sizable section. And um, they're changing the model. Instead of a fee payable on POM sale, you pay an upfront fee, your property's listed, um, and technically it's sold. But although we're in a world now where you know we are much more online for things, the property world is all about people. And what I think will happen is that you'll see perhaps the front end of residential letting changing, that there will be more online matching perhaps, and, and the whole process simplified using prop technology. But I think at the end of the day, somebody's got to be there collecting the rent, making sure the property's clean, whether it's an Airbnb because or a long let. There's a lot of grey area in property management, isn't there? You and know? people want to talk to people about something that's broken down, or and it goes beyond that. You know, Many of our tenants have become landlords in the past because we looked after them as tenants and they felt looked after and we're all humans and I'm talking this morning with you and your wife about Christchurch and the you know terrible suffering after the earthquake but where people bonded and people came together as a result of it and helped rebuild everything and you know it goes back to this fundamental sort of core basics within us as human beings that people by people particularly I think in the real estate world so they'll always be there um, and there, of course, will be, you know, efficiencies uh, and economies of scale. But at the end of the day, I don't know, you know. I still go down when I book a flight. When I came over here, I went down to, you know, a new look travel agent. But nonetheless, I sat in front of somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's not for everybody. But actually, we worked. We came across a better deal to fly over here than I could get online at the time. And I kept the person's business card just in case. I'm a bit old fashioned. You know, we needed to ring them. Um, a lot of it was online afterwards, beautiful having it all recorded for me online and the ticket online and all that. But I, you know, that there was still a fundamental part of the process. It's that people. So I believe those agents that are working hard and want to be good property managers, whatever happens around the sort of matching and letting side of it, the core looking after that asset of that person's, you know, property is where you're really going to score in the future. Are you, um, while you've been here, you've seen the, or you would have heard of the, what is now the infamous Osaki case, and you've actually been to a tenancy tribunal hearing to see what goes on. I have. Uh, and, and, you know, this is where tenants are no longer responsible for, for accidental damage. What's your take on that? Yeah, I can see sort of how it happened, where it came from, and I've been reading your blogs and with interest. I think, to be honest, we've been experiencing similar judgments um, in the past with the way that our our um, law sort of sees damage and accidental damage. I think it's fair to say that the historic look on um, things is always sort of slightly in favour of the tenant. And I think our tribunals, uh, or rather our adjudication process, actually, when I look at the stats, it's actually even Stevens, when, when they make adjudications, it, it seems to be fairly even. Uh, some the landlords win, some the tenants don't win. But this issue of damage has always been one that is a motive and, you know, is one that's difficult to prove. Um, so virtually you're on a loser, aren't you? Because you're not, you're not there. You're not got CCTVs inside properties. So to actually be able to fundamentally prove that it was done with force or 
you know, it wasn't fair wear and tear. It is difficult. And I think even without the Osaki case in the UK, a number of precedents over the course of time have always made it difficult for property managers to act on behalf of the owner of the property who's paying them to prove damage. Um, so I think it's got fairer in the UK with the bond process that we have and the adjudicators. And because we've got better as property managers at the recording and providing of information to tenants in the first place. And then obviously with what we do during the tenancy and at the end of the tenancy. And I always say to my team and all our managers who train new staff, you know, if you follow the process, then it will be fine. It's where you then deviate from the process where quite rightly, if you put yourself in the adjudicator's shoes, all those folk that are the um, the uh, lawyers in the courts in your process here, how can they make that judgment really without the fundamental proof? So I think the SRQ one is a, yeah, I can see that's caused problems. Landlords do have insurance. A lot of landlords in the UK take out accidental damage cover and we do advise our tenants to take out accidental damage cover. And, you know, it costs more money for each of us, but, you know, that is a way, I suppose, of getting around that one. The tenancy tribunal process in, in, in the UK is slightly different than what it is in New Zealand. It, it's a case that I understand that evidence is just submitted. There's no going to present to an adjudicator. The, the, the decision is just based. Yeah, it is. When we reworked uh, the process of deposit holding, and believe you me, it was terrible. You know, tenants were not getting deposits back before law uh, was passed to, to hold tenants' bonds and deposits properly. Um, now the adjudication process that's set within that uh, process is um, fairly informal in so much as it's a free service and tenants and landlords can go and ask the arbitrators to make a judgment. It's, accept it's expected that te technically it's accept the judgment is accepted, uh, but you still in the UK have the option then to go to the proper courts if you feel fundamentally wronged, um, but it, the, the courts don't take a good view on that. They really want people to use the, uh, the process that's set out in the Housing Act uh, in the UK um, and let that take its course. And mostly people do. Um, and they're very good, uh, the people that are acting as adjudicators, are very experienced um, you know, at making the right decision. And I think it's pretty fair, I have to say. And of course, it's removed a lot of the sort of um, uh, work that the courts have to deal with, where, with people just sitting in front of a registrar arguing about damaged carpets, which so it's a different process, um, but technically, yes, I could still go to a UK court proper um, uh, if I didn't like the judgment and go through the similar process mm -hmm. that you've got. But I thought it, the one I attended was very efficient. Uh, sadly, the tenant um, wasn't there to make their side of the of the case, but you know, I think the reason they weren't there speaks volumes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because, in, in, I mean, in New Zealand, about 80% of applications are, are, are made by landlords, predominantly more most of them are through through renter rates but we are now starting to see a trend where tenants are becoming better educated they're starting to want to exercise the rights they've got a, a change of government recently which seems to be more about you know it, it's voter base is more tenant based i think that's the way of the world at the moment if you look how politics um <clears throat> many countries has changed you know with people power for want of a better word um you know the the modern vote it, it's it's quite right really isn't it and i actually one of the things I've, I've been very impressed with is the information provided uh to tenants and landlords alike you know on your government's website yeah. um you know from a distant perspective uh and trying to take myself out of being a practitioner i i think it's very fair 
um, and I know talking to the property managers here, they still feel slightly that it's a bit tenant biased. I think it always will be to a certain extent, um, but it, surely the, the modern world we live in is it's, it's about being fair and equitable with people, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're a landlord or a property manager, you should have a, a good, sound knowledge of the Residential Tenancies Act and all the other pieces of legislation that will affect you. Um, it's not always forefront of a tenant's mind, particularly if you've got new people coming to a country they never rented before. Exactly. I think the law does, in a way, have to be a little bit towards tenant bias. We all want guidance. You know, we can't all be experts in all these different sort of facets of life. Um, and I think what we look at in, in the way we manage property at Finance Keepers and we sort of train ourselves and continue to remind ourselves is that, you know, we've got to help people as much as possible. So we'll, mm. we'll you know, for example, when a fridge breaks down in a property, invariably you might come into one of our offices in the following morning and try and find the milk to make a coffee. And one of the property managers has gone into the office overnight and taken the fridge from the office in to give the tenants a fridge for the night. Um, now, that might sound over the top, but you know, that's about offering a good service. That means that tenant will ride through that the remainder of his tenancy thinking, do you know what, they were a jolly good yeah. bunch of guys. They even gave me their fridge. And, you know, I think you can minimise a lot of these sort of things by just being uh, straightforward, honest, and offering a good service. Clearly, if somebody's shouting and damaging things, and, you know, that isn't allowed and shouldn't be allowed, and there are means to deal with that. But I think, you know, fundamentally, if you treat people with respect, they'll end up uh, at the end of thanking you and, you know, as yeah, I say, yeah. sometimes becoming a landlord even. Yeah, so, so I mean, you're always got to get a percentage of people who have got to, you know, ride the system somewhat and, and be troublesome to deal with. What you're talking about now and, and providing that great level of service, where do you see most of your new business leads come from? Is it through referral or is it through the marketing that you do? It's a good point, actually. The more we look at it, the more we just realise that, and okay, we've had the advantage of being a business operating for sort of 45 years or so, but most of it's from within. So it's our existing portfolio who appreciate what we do um, and they mention that to other people and or as they uh, grow through their life um, and they you know, have money or they're inheriting money from parents, they come back to us and they ask us to help them spend that money. And also they've benefited, you know, one of the things that works in the UK is sort of normally the property price is not exclusively in the UK, but there is an upward trend. Um, but they know that we're going to help them, certainly in the Oxfordshire market, to reinvest that money wisely. So, yeah, very much within, and I think it's, it's sort of a little bit of a gold mine. And I would urge anybody who's got a significant or reasonable portfolio, uh, and even if you haven't, to sort of keep in touch regularly with those existing landlords because they'll know somebody or they'll in the, in the future want to add to their portfolio and so on and so forth. Do you, do you have people who are designated for new business, like business development managers? It's, it's become a bit of a modern trend in New Zealand with legislation now uh, probably being a little bit harder on people wanting to, you, you will probably see less people buying investment properties. It could get a little bit tougher for, for BDMs in essence. Yeah, I think that's the nice thing about our spread of services and the way we operate. We uh, we want most of our, you know, we take on people, we hope, and we try and see a little bit of talent when we recruit in them. It's it's hard, but you, you get wise after a while and you can just see this little glimmer. And then we hope that once they've settled with us, we can help them to develop themselves and their career. You know, we've had people starting letting have become property managers, or property managers have become letting agents, or we've had them want to become office managers and directors. And so we'll encourage that talent, but generally we want all our staff to farm, as we call it, in other words, to look for new business. 
And if you look at our letting teams, they are immediately dealing with somebody coming into the area who may be bringing 300 other people with them for a new business. So suddenly there's a whole load of business there. Very those people will put down roots and want to buy a property and stay in the UK or, you know, invest in the UK. So, you know, it, the letting staff and the property management staff and then obviously our office managers, they are actually all responsible for new business. So, no, we don't have somebody specifically. We do have a team calling out um, in, a, in, a, in an office who are then following up and asking uh, tenants and landlords how the experience was. So that's quite common these days and dealing with the inevitable social media where somebody isn't happy yeah, about yeah. something. But new business is actually something that we reward staff for. Um, and, you know, we had a good case the other day where we managed to win a um, property from um, another agent and we managed the, the property. And the landlord turned around and she said, I've got 10 more properties elsewhere in the county. So who do I talk to within your, uh, you know, your business about giving those properties? So the, so the, the real focus is, every, is, is on that personalised customer service aspect. Yep. Do, you, do you have you know, people, because you've got a big database there, of, of landlords, tenants, probably past landlords, tradies. Um, I've, I've seen one company in New Zealand successfully uh, use data mining and employ someone just to mine the data and research. Yeah, it's another whole world, isn't it? You know, like the social media uh, world. Um, yeah, absolutely. Again, we try not make it quite so um, sort of um, specific in the sense that it's hoped that most of our property managers and letting managers will know their clients intimately. So, you know, they are the ones that really know more about those clients and the tenants than any database manager. Um, and, you know, if you don't, if you're not careful, you can be sending things out to people from a central database with somebody who's got that responsibility, but they don't know and understand what motivates those individuals. So I much prefer to see a format where the mining of that data is done on a day by day monthly basis with the property managers uh specifically the property managers but also the letting team that that work closely with them um understanding their clients and at the right and appropriate time uh keeping in touch another thing we do of course is that we we are i think got very good at organizing events throughout the year to for all of our different levels of clients yeah this is going to take me on to the next point around education i mean finders keepers puts a lot of emphasis Clearly on educating the staff, giving the staff career paths, your team career paths, but also educating your client base. Yeah, absolutely. So we will produce the usual regular newsletter, um, but they are a little bit sort of um, static and we, we much prefer to meet with them. So we'll organise events throughout the year, several of which will be educational, as you say, and we culminate at the end of the year in our big event where we have about 250 landlords and professionals come in to hear um, some of us speak from within the company and also external people generally about what's going on in the local uh, Oxfordshire market uh, because if you're going to make an, a, a decision on investment you want to know you know not just about letting in property management you want to know what's going on in the area mm. but during the rest of the year we'll actually have some pleasant sort of extracurricular activity for example we'll organize a inspector morse tour or we, we you know we'll have other functions um, where landlords can meet in small groups 20 or 30 um, and that's actually interesting one of the things I've discovered is that they landlords like and tenants are allowed in as well all like to talk to one another they may at times be talking about us hopefully in a, in a, in a favorable way but you, so, you're, so you're happy for the landlords and the tenants to actually well if you've got a mingle. senior landlord somebody's man is experienced and he's then talking to somebody who's just thinking of starting a portfolio it's it's fantastic it saves yeah. us a huge amount of work because they do it for us yeah yeah okay well frank i mean just to wind up now i mean 
What are the big differences that you've seen between here and, and, and the UK since you've been in New Zealand? You've got more mountains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the scenery is amazing but actually the UK has, has got some lovely places as well um, it, it, I have to say it's a much more relaxed uh, approach in, in New Zealand but that's commonly known and that's I think why a lot of us Brits particularly and many yeah. other people around the world come to New Zealand um, in terms of the property world there's a lot of similarities um, my slight reaction at the moment is that I think you have got a more simple look and the legislation has a small simple feel to it in terms of the practicality side of it of bringing a tenancy to an end um, and you know your, your, your other processes that you've got in place um, but I may not have had enough time to sort of fully sort of comprehend those um, I think you you know you're embracing software very well here I, I'm, I'm loving seeing some video tours of properties because I think that's uh, in the UK we've been a bit slow in embracing um, you know, video as part of a tool to help tenants search for property. Uh, conversely, I don't see many floor plans. Um, mm. And, you know, one of the things I, I can't understand, having got used to it, and we didn't used to do it in the UK, but now we've been doing it for some time. Floor plans make it so easy for people to sit at home. So when you have the tenants in the property, you've got the floor plan there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, you know, similarities, as you've just alluded, where you're going in terms of thermal insulation and yeah. other. Um, sort of legislation in terms of the health and safety side of property. I think you're behind us there. But, you know, for example, we, you know, we yeah. legislate on gas and electricity. Um, but again, it, it's all been fragmented and, and um, it's taken time to get to the stage where we are. Um, I think you know. Then the social, and domestic, and other uh, instances, you know, examples that we've given and talked about. You've got a lot of the very sort of similar issues to us about how we're going to build quickly enough accommodation uh, for people, you know, to have roofs over their heads. Yeah. One of, one of the big concerns I have in New Zealand is it's the well-being of the people who work in the industry, particularly property managers at the front end. We saw the tragic events of the shooting mm. in, in, in Northland last year, and, and quite often I, I hear about property managers being threatened. Uh, I see unnecessary demands uh, from tenants and landlords uh, being put on property managers, and, and, and they wear it, they take it home and they don't last in the industry. Do you have similar issues in, in the UK or? Um, different really, thank goodness. I can't recall a shooting of a property manager, heaven forbid, but um, you know, I, I, there are issues. I mean, famously there was an issue with a young uh, lady estate agent who wrote in the diary in London, she was going to see a Mr. Kipper um, and they didn't follow the procedures then and sadly she was never seen again. So, you know, we've got some events like that have happened and that certainly caused the UK uh, state agency and property management um, industry to sort of take note of looking after the staff and training. We do a lot of training, you know, with our staff to make sure that they uh, remind, you know, we remind ourselves quite regularly about security. Um, you know, for example, everybody can be equipped with certain tools and rape alarms and things like that to go on viewings. And you know, we we won't we we don't let anybody get involved in property letting management until they're confident and capable and constantly remind them when they're doing viewings about not putting themselves into a position where you know they could it could be difficult if things went wrong I have to say touch wood we have been very lucky um, and you know so far we haven't you know had anything as serious as, as, as you've had there but I think people got to just be careful and use common sense um, and then just not put themselves into a position yeah. of danger yeah also it, it will go back as well because when you get the the emotional battering that they will get from particularly landlords you want to make sure that you're, you're keeping them happy yeah because 
they can just walk. Yeah, but he, sometimes a landlord can give you an instruction which will go against your values, which may even go against legislation. Well, in that case, you know, again, that's where we do a lot of training. You know, one of the titles of one of our pieces of training we do is dealing with difficult landlords. Yeah, which doesn't sound great when you say it like that, but that will encompass many different ways of. I mean, people are these days much more demanding, and it's fair to say that as a property manager, when people are paying high sums of money of their salary towards accommodation, uh, and in a world where everything is now. People aren't as patient as they used to be, sadly. So certainly younger staff find that very difficult. Yeah. And we say to our staff that you're not here to put up with that type of behaviour. And our staff are encouraged to politely put the phone down, for example, if somebody is creating. And there'll always be somebody and a balance of ladies and men in the office so that if we've got an issue in the office, um, it, it will be dealt with. And um, you know, we do work quite hard at making sure that, uh, you know, we will have integrity in all the decisions we make. And if somebody, particularly a landlord, is asking our staff to do something that they don't fundamentally believe is right, then mm. they will come and talk to somebody senior in the company uh, who will step in. But they themselves will be told not to follow the landlord's instructions. Yeah. Um, you know, that's quite... So I think, you know, it is a big issue for companies and we need to constantly help our, our staff with that particular issue. Because the concern I have over here is because it's an unregulated industry, all that the landlord will do is say, I want you to do this. The property manager with integrity says, I'm not doing it. The landlord just walks because in an unregulated industry, when you've got too many companies, someone's going to say, yeah, I'll do it because they're desperate. They then let the business them, to then survive. Them, you know, because you must never put yourself into that position where you do something to that extent. Mm. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, Frank, I mean, I've had you sat out here in this. People won't believe it when they hear about Wellington being the, the windy city. But, I mean, it's a glorious... It's fantastic. It's been a glorious day. We've sat out here. The sun's coming around. We're getting a wee bit burnt. Um, back home in Oxford, you've just had to deal with the beast from the east and snow and whatever. I mean, yeah, it's been a great time to be away, hasn't it? I yeah. mean, really good timing. And uh, thank you to you and everybody that I've been in, you know, bumped into. Uh, you know, I know it sounds corny, but everybody I've met on my travels have been pleasant and polite. And you know, there's amazing synergy. They, they said there's a great rapport between America and and the UK, but um, you know, there's very very strong ties between our two countries, and long may it continue. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, well, thanks, Frank, and uh, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your stay in New Zealand. Safe travels back, and uh, pass on uh, our regards to the, the mother country and to everyone at Finance we'll Keepers. Do. We'll do, Dave. This podcast was brought to you by Real IQ. Real IQ are the training partner to the Skills Organisation, delivering New Zealand residential property management level four qualification. Real IQ, the knowledge base of the property management industry.